Welcome to Sing of the Blues. I'm Don Housen. And I'm James Marriott. This week's episode, then, is entitled... And now for the results of the Sigging the Blues jury. All will become uh, apparent very soon. Um, first of all, though, as we, as we record this today, it is four years to the day, Dom, since the playoff semi-final second leg down in Brighton, uh, which, I mean, there's so many things about that day we could, we could talk about. Um, we reckon it's the first time that me and you ever met, although we didn't actually meet, but we were in the same building. We were on tables next to each other in a pub with Brian Laws, all the Radio Sheffield team, yeah. and uh, uh, Tango and a few... It, it sounds like a made-up story, but it's true. No, it's very true, and I can't believe it was four years ago, James. Uh, yeah, I think we were both staying at the same hotel, and we were, how, you know, so I'd finished uh, my work at the time for the Star with Chris Holt was there, and uh, yeah, Rob Stace and Johnny Buchan for Radio Sheffield. They were part of the team. Brian Laws, uh, and then we happened to bump into tango so we ended up having a drink or two with tango and his friends just capped off what was a very memorable day really a nice day out in brighton uh, but i certainly wasn't thinking that after the first 20 minutes or so when the alamo was coming at the amex because that was unreal it, it just i mean I, I tweeted about it earlier that that whole day was just like I, I look back now and think did that really happen and i don't think as a as a day out at football that it will ever be bettered although for me it started really badly i honestly i didn't get out of bed until probably four o'clock on the day of the game because me and my friend went down the, the, the day before and we went out in brighton the the night before the match and we were both just apt we, we were just dead to the world just could not get up so it was about four o'clock that the actual day started now you you probably had the luxury of just going straight to the ground if if you're traveling from brighton there was a train strike at the time and uh there with very few trains running obviously brighton's ground is in the middle of nowhere the only way of getting there is either by car or by train and getting there by car is not much fun because getting parked is a nightmare as well um so there, there weren't enough trains for everyone so we ended up getting a replacement coach and literally five minutes to kick off it was still a mile from the ground and there's just a queue of coaches waiting to drop people off so we just said to the driver right let, let us out we're going to run uh, and i've never run so fast in my life Bearing in mind the story about the hangover that I'd got, it was just that that was the the worst five minutes I think I've ever experienced. But we made it for kickoff. The whole day was just it was nuts. That twenty minutes, have you ever known twenty minutes either for the team that you're, you know, there to see or the opposition, a twenty minutes like that, it was just a barrage. I mean they hit the post, the bar, there were saves, there were off the lines, there were, you know, just trickling wides, and it was right in front of us in the away end. And I just stood there with my hand in my head just thinking like what is going on how are we possibly possibly going to get away with this honestly i was petrified i was i was scared for the team for what was happening what was going on i, I was just thinking that and i wonder if there was this sort of complacency that was in the team actually when you're thinking that they've done the job in that first leg and that yeah okay Brighton might try throwing the kitchen sink at us but it's too late you know we, we've got an insurmountable lead in fact I don't think any team still has come back from 2-0 down in the first leg certainly in the championship playoffs uh, so yeah, uh, it was a bit of a surprise that Brighton, if you remember from the first game, they'd picked up a few injuries and suspensions. So people like Knockout and Lewis Dunk were big doubts going into that second leg. And then actually they were fit uh, and they 
oh, they, they terrorised Wednesday. And, and the atmosphere, I have to say, it, it's, it's, it stays with me now. It's one of the best atmospheres in a way ground I've ever experienced. And, and I thought the the whole setup at Brighton. I, I I just love going there, actually. I wish it wasn't so far away, but I think that that ground is superb. And I didn't think that Hillsborough would be topped, uh, but I'll tell you what, it run it very close a few days later in that second leg. Uh, and I tell you, if Wednesday hadn't got the luckiest and jammiest of goals you're ever likely to see, then you never know. Brighton could have actually pulled off the comeback, but thankfully they didn't. Uh, and we had another yeah. very good day out. Unfortunately, yeah. that result didn't go too well for us, but we won't go into that today. No, no, no. We'll just stick with the we'll stick off, we'll stick with the semi final. Yeah, I remember because all the Brighton fans uh, um, they had the the flags, didn't they? All the Brighton fans, yeah. um, and that that did look pretty good. I mean, it was it was. I can't think of a word for the day other than just phenomenal. Um, so I was sat two rows behind Chris Waddle. That was quite, I say sat, I mean stood two rows behind Chris Waddle. Um, of course, you know, we scored. And then after that, I think Brighton kind of had the, the stuffing knocked out of them, didn't we? And, and it became quite apparent midway through the second half that this this is going to happen. It's, it's ours. We've got this. And then full time, the players celebrated in front of the fans and that just seemed to go on forever. And then, of course, Brighton is, I think, the only ground in the country that opened the bar in the away end at full time to try and, um, you know, so everyone doesn't rush for the trains at the same time. So the bar reopened. So about another hour or so celebrated on the concourse. There were stewards on fans' shoulder. Then Ross Wallace appeared from nowhere. Fernando Forestieri appeared from nowhere. Gary Hooper sort of appeared from nowhere, but it's very shy and just ran past all the fans they didn't want to stop and talk to anyone Ross Wallace was loving it um, then we we've eventually kind of everything tied uh, kind of died down and we walked around the corner there was a team bus there and the team were just coming out of the players entrance to get on the bus so we talked to Glenn Leuvens for a while and we're just thinking like what this day is just like magical it's incredible um, and then got into Brighton back into Brighton went out got chucked out of all the pubs because they all wanted to close back to the hotel where obviously you were as well um, just an, an absolutely incredible just phenomenal day and, and I still now wonder whether or not it will ever be beaten because it was gorgeous and sunny as well and it was it was just perfect yeah no it was perfect result Wednesday going through, uh, and actually I think on the game itself, uh, the, the, the equaliser from Wallace was a huge moment, and then I think Sam Hutchinson coming on at half-time, really short up mid- midfield, uh, and, and took off Alex Lopez, who, who he did struggle, uh, and that actually cost him his place then in the final. Uh, as well, so, as that was the only change for Wembley. But uh, yeah, I, it was it was amazing, really, to be part of that, to witness the celebrations at the end, and, and you still you have a smile on your face when you look back at those uh, celebrations and the dance moves and the dressing room from Glenn Leuvens and a few of the other guys. Yeah, just yeah. great scenes. Yeah, you could just see that team spirit. Uh, in the dressing room that there was and, and the big characters that are there and uh, only 11 could play but they were all in it together there was a proper bond and it was something special that season and it was the way that they played it was the manner in which they had that success to playing 
the attractive brand of football, you know, which I think most Wednesday fans would still say that's the best football Wednesday played since the Ron Atkinson days. And you can't really pay a bigger compliment than that. Agreed. And and the thing that we uh, forget as well, which which kind of went on to define a, a bit of an era for, for Wednesday, certainly a couple of seasons, it was the first day that we heard the We're On Our Way song, which of course became the, the anthem at Wembley, even though as it turned out we weren't on our way, but um, you know, it was sung all day by, you know, however many thousand, forty thousand Wednesday fans on the on the day at Wembley and um, you know, all all the following season as well. Um and yeah, uh, amazing kind of looking back on uh on a fantastic day out. Yeah, Brilliant. it was. Right. Sorry, James. It's important also to mention that uh, that's not the only anniversary today, playoffs. You've also got 2005 as well, when Lee Bowen, Paul Sturrock's team, uh, won 2-1 at Brentford uh, to get to yeah. the League One playoff final. And that, as we know, at Cardiff, that went better than what Wembley did. So, uh, yeah, no, that and that was also a phenomenal uh, achievement. And... Um, especially when really they sort of scraped over the line that season into the playoffs, but they won convincingly against Brentford and then did the business in the final. Crazy, really, to think that that's 15 years ago. It it really is just like it's flown, hasn't it, since then? But so many ups and so many downs. Um, so that brings us to today's episode, which, as I mentioned earlier, is entitled And Now for the Results of the Singing the Blues Jury. Um, so this is basically, it, it should be, should be Eurovision weekend. Of course, it's not happened. So we've taken inspiration from Eurovision. If you've ever watched the Eurovision finals before, the way it works is that at the end, um, all the around all the countries and they give out points um, based on the the performances. They go from one point through to eight points, then it jumps to ten, then it jumps to twelve. So, I've done the same. I have scored countries on the strength of uh, players of that nationality that have played for Wednesday. Um, Dom, you've not seen this. It's going to be interesting to gauge your reaction as we as we go. So just to give you a couple of examples, here are some countries that didn't make it into the scoring. So just making it, missing out. Romania. Um, which I think the only Romanian player we've ever had is Dan Petrescu. He's not made yeah. it um, into uh, into the, the points. Um, Germany, which is Julian Borner, I think the only German that we've ever had playing for Wednesday. Um, and also uh, Finland. Um, can you think of, of the Finnish player that's played for Wednesday before? Chefki Kiuchi. Correct, yes. Um, so, unfortunately, they didn't make it into the final scoring. So we will start with one point, two Iceland. So, can can you remember an Icelandic player that's played for Wednesday? A little bit oh, before oh. both of our times. I thought, but I, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you Siggy Johnson way back oh. in the uh, in the 80s, and I think did he play some of the 90s? I can't as it's, it's before my time. I think he was just 80s, uh, but yeah, Siggy Johnson, bit of a uh, kind of a cult player, big fans' favourite. Still, my dad and my uncle kind of talk about um, Siggy Johnson when we talk about um, players. I can kind of picture him in that kind of iconic, you know, the pinstripe home shirt that we had for the three or four seasons in the uh, in the 80s um, all the pictures see that half of them are are Siggy Johnson so um, just on the strength of him one point to Iceland 
So I this brings us now. Yeah, I'm not uh, sorry. I don't know if I'm massively comfortable with that. Are you saying that Siggy Johnson should be in way ahead of uh, Dan Petrescu was very good for Wednesday? Yeah, he time, was. But, but you're saying Siggy Johnson's way above him for you. Siggy Johnson was a bit of a like a cult hero. He was just he was. I'm not saying he's necessarily a better player than Dan Petrescu, but there was just something about the bond that he had with the fans and stuff in the eighties that um, I think he. It was a close run thing, but he just gets the point. I think you've picked him purely on the basis that he's got a better name, but. Okay, all right. We'll let you have it, James. If you're going to argue you... with me on that one, then we've got no chance of getting through this episode, mate. <laughs> right. <laughs> Two points Brilliant. from the Singing the Blues jury goes to the Czech Republic. Of course, Daniel Pudil is yeah. the obvious one. He's we've one. had one other player who played for the Czech Republic. And I know who that is. That is, of course, Pavel Chernicek. Correct, yes. You do well here, yeah. I so know um, surprised. Two, two, two great players. Um Pudil obviously part of that team that we were talking yeah. about earlier, got to those two playoff semi finals. Um and yeah, you know, we've talked about him a bit in, in previous episodes during lockdown and just, you know, what a fan's favourite he was in terms of his work rate and um, you know, everything else uh, about him. But of course Pavel Sernacek, great goalkeeper, had a phenomenal career, didn't he, in the top flight? Yeah, no, he did. And, and Newcastle as well, along with, I think it was Shaka Hislop, they sort of interchanged quite a bit in the goalkeeping position there. But no, he, he did well for Wednesday. Now, so Schoenicek, uh, I, I, I can't argue with you there. I think that uh, two very good Czech players have represented Wednesday down the years, James. So yeah, good shouts on that for uh, the two points. Okay then, so three points from the Singing the Blues jury goes to, and I think this will be controversial for many reasons, Australia, who of course are now in Eurovision, have been for the last few seasons, and we do have two Wednesday players that have been, uh, in fact I think there's more, but two notable Australians that have played for Wednesday. One of course is in the team now, Massimo Luongu. Uh, Do you remember the other? Con Blatsis. That's not who I'm thinking of. <laughs> I don't I even know who that is. <laughs> uh, has played for Wednesday, believe me. Uh, I, I, oh, I feel like I really should know this. Oh, no, of course, I'll... sorry. I know, I know who it is. I know who it is. Uh, Adam Porridge. Uh, no, well, he does count, but that's not who I'm thinking of because he didn't, he didn't really do very much, did he, Adam? Um, Adam Adam Porrick. No, oh, it's oh, it's no. another it's another goalkeeper. Oh, Brad Jones. Brad Jones, yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, particularly two. I mean, you arguably three, four um, good Australian players that have have played for Wednesday. There is always controversy when you include anything to do with Australia in um, Eurovision, uh, but they get my three points. Oh, would you really have them above the Czechs? I don't know. Right. Well, Massimo Luongo, has he done enough yet to be above Daniel Padil as an example? He'll be, he will be player of the season next season. Trust me. Oh, right. Well, but whatever it is, saying, he will be player of the season that, next season. Well, if you're saying that, James, then uh, there you go. You've got me. <laughs> right. 
This one will be controversial. Four points from the Singing the Blues jury goes to Norway. So oh, I don't know if I'm happy about this straight away. Petarudi. Petarudi, right? Scored some really important goals for Wednesday. Some big goals, some cracking goals. But he was very up and down as well. He was very inconsistent. I don't know if I'm happy with this as a shout, but carry on. And there's also Tron Saltvek. Oh, come on. Four points. Four points. Are we we turning into the actual judging panel here of Eurovision, where, again, the point-scoring system every year people think mind-bogglingly bad? It seems like we're heading that way, James, the way you're scoring this. I I think it's fair. I think it's fair because... Petter Rudy, you know, he had a bit of style about him as well. He was uh, a really memorable player. Like you can, you close your eyes, you can see him. He was, you know, he was he was so tall and you know moved with such grace. Extra points for that. So he just squeezes ahead of that little cluster of um, of countries that were all close together: Czech Republic, Australia, Norway. Not a lot to pick between them, but for me, Norway just edge it and get the four points. I'm shaking my head, uh, and I feel like you've paid, <laughs> I feel like we, we've you know you've put Norway in for four points based on the elegance of Petter Udi and his lovely hair because we don't have any hair between us. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> it is even, so true. Even even in lockdown, when everyone's got these massive big mops of hair, yeah. we've still not got much between <laughs> us. <laughs> Oh, right, okay. Right. You've got to carry on, and then we'll have to come right. back to this. Now, this, this is when it starts getting serious, because the countries from this point, I think, jump up a level. So, five points from the Singing the Blues jury goes to Portugal. So, Portugal, we've got quite a few representatives, actually. So, Jose Semido is is the one that that springs to mind although he's never played for the portuguese national team um no. but he 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 he's the the first player that that jumped to mind um we've also got and i wasn't his biggest fan but marco matias of course portuguese lucas Schwau, um who i think may have played for the portuguese has he played for the national team or is he i think he's got in the squad a couple of times something like that um so lucas Shaw. and of course i know we're talking about players but we could bowl in carlos cavalial as well um so um yeah we've got you know i think four good strong portuguese representatives so i think a, a fair and justified five points for portugal yeah, I like that shout. I think you've missed out, obviously, some really key players that we've seen over the years. Uh, here we go, here we go, here we go. So we've got, oh, yeah, Rafael Floro, of course. Of course you know, yeah. He'd have been in uh, there. And Philippe Melo, obviously, as well, of course, would be yeah, part one, yeah, of that of Portuguese contingent. But, uh, yeah, Lucas Schwau was capped twice. Uh, by the national team while he was at Wednesday. And uh, so, no, I'm, I'm quite happy with that selection, James. For once, I think you've got uh, something right. Brilliant. Excellent. I will drink to that. Right then. So, six points. Getting serious now. Six points from the Singing the Blues <laughs> jury goes to... Dramatic pause. Belgium. So, Belgium gets the six points... 
So, who's the first Belgian player that springs to mind when you uh, when you think of former Wednesday players? I'm actually having a bit of a blank. There's two fairly significant ones who were of a similar era, uh, and one definitely shades it over the other. So, Gilles de Builder. Oh, of course. Sorry, Mark de Grease as well. Sorry. And Mark de Grieser is the um, other one. Now, um, de Builder was, uh, I, I think he was one of those that divides fan opinion quite a bit. In fact, we were chatting earlier in the week about players that divide um, fan opinion, and, and he should have been on that, that list, really, because uh, he, 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 he was very kind of continental in his, in his style. Some, some fans loved him, some didn't. He scored some big goals, um, and he was a, a, arguably a bit of a shining light at a time when there weren't many around mm. in the uh, in the Wednesday squad, and De Grisa as well, you know, scored some. He scored some great goals. Yeah, De Builder was a sort of funny one, really, wasn't he? Where uh, he was part of that team when Wednesday were relegated from the Premier League twenty years ago. And actually, you're right. In the Championship, uh, he did score. I think particularly that season. <laughs> Uh, under Paul, Paul Jewell, uh, yeah, he did score quite a few goal, goals, um, for Wednesday, but yeah, he's, he's not remembered that fondly. And you're right, he did very much divide opinion. Uh, so not, I, I've got to say, on, on what you're saying, I'm, I'm not sure I would be putting Belgium really as uh, six points. I'm not sure that are we saying six or was it seven? I've lost count. It was now. six. It was six. Six. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I said I'd have had. Personally, I think I would have had Portugal actually above. They did when I was doing this. The, the, they did yo-yo. There's a, there's a little collection of countries, and, and the uh, the country with seven points next yo-yoed a bit as well. Before actually, I had a good think about it and thought, yeah, they're actually of that little cluster. They're they're ahead, but I think. I don't think many people would argue with you if you had Portugal and Belgium the other way around. But for me, I went with Belgium for six points because I just remember De Builder scoring some really important big goals. Right then. So, seven points from the Singing the Blues jury goes to the Netherlands. Now, we've got We've actually got quite a few Dutch players that have played for Wednesday. So you could argue that maybe they should be a little bit higher up because you've got um, Reggie Blinker. You've got Gerald Sibon, another one that divided opinion quite a bit, to be fair. You've got Glenn Leuvens, yeah, uh, and you've got Orlando Trustful. However, uh, you've forgotten you, one. You, who have I forgotten? Vin Young. Well, I, I was coming to that because I was going for However, you've yeah. got... Vim Yonk, you've got Jos van Aken, and you've got Joey Pelliapesi, who I'm afraid to say, they score the Netherlands slightly down, so that is why they fit in at seven points for the Netherlands. That is a proper mixed bag, you have to say, of players on the one hand who were, yeah, very good for Wednesday or decent, you're right, and then you've got on the other players like in the modern era of Van Aken, hasn't uh, cut the mustard, but it's funnily enough on him, actually, it will be interesting. We haven't really spoken a lot about him, but he will be a Wednesday player again come the summer or whenever this season ends. So it it will be interesting to see, has he got a future under Gary Monk or what's going to, uh, you know, happen to him, or will Wednesday just look to sell him? He's got another year left on his contract, so Wednesday going to have a, a big decision to make over him. That's just as a side note. 
but yeah, coming back to uh, yeah, Netherlands. I, I'm yeah, I'm quite happy really with that. I think you're right when you think of how good Glenn Leuvens was. Gerald Sibon was another one who scored some spectacular goals, and I think particularly, yeah, in the championship, he he did look well, yeah, a, a class above when he was really on, on it. So yeah, I, I think um, that's a pretty good shout. Mm, good, good, right, cool, doing well. Um, I, I wanted to give a special mention there for Reggie Blinker because all the different stuff that we've recorded over the last few weeks and stuff, I don't think we've ever talked about Reggie Blinker, who, to be honest, he, he actually wasn't uh, an outstanding player, but he scored some outstanding goals. Um, mm. And the, the the two that I think he scored on his debut at Villa really stand out as just being magnificent. But there were there were plenty of them. He did score some fantastic goals, yeah, did, uh, yeah. so did Reggie Blinker. I, I was going to say on Reggie Blinker, do you know what? When I actually, weeks and weeks ago, I was watching um, the season review of the 96-97 season. And like Richie Humphreys, if you actually watched the highlights of the games and the goals Wednesday scored and the chances they created, especially early on in that season. And we know that Richie Humphreys had that proper purple patch where he scored. But Reggie Blink actually is a creative midfielder. Uh, he, he actually, he was very technically gifted on the ball. You you can forget that very easily. That Reggie Blinker, I think it was, it was that consistency, wasn't it? And, uh, it was one of those where he was a very good player. It was, it was a good player in there, but yeah, probably a Wednesday didn't seem the best of him there, which was a shame. Yeah, I think that's true. So, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Then seven points for the Netherlands. We've got three countries left. Wow. So eight points from the Singing the Blues jury goes to Italy. Yeah. And this is really on the strength of two players. And there's I'm no surprised. prizes for guessing who the two players are. Well, obviously, it's um, DPAD. Uh, it's clearly one <laughs> of those two. He's written I in really small that. letters on my yeah. on my list next to uh, big letters of Paolo Di Canio and yeah. uh, Benito Carboni. Um, so Wednesday have not had a huge number of Italian players. Um, of actually the you know the countries that have, have scored quite highly here um, is by far the smallest uh, in terms of numbers of uh, players. But the impact of Di Canio and Carboni was uh, just huge. Oh yeah, absolutely massive. Yeah, they they were top class. We've spoken a, about them before. The yeah, they as a pairing. Yeah, we know that Carboni came in before Di Canio. Um, who knows what would have happened if in ninety nine the Arsenal match hadn't? I, I, you, you do wonder really that if Di Canio if Wednesday if they got another year or two, and we saw what then Di Canio ended up going on to do and achieve at West Ham uh, and the impact he had there. So I, I think that was always the big regret, really, uh, with Wednesday and Di Canio, is that that sort of, maybe not love of theirs, probably a bit too strong, but uh, yeah, that time that he's at the club, it was too short, wasn't it? It was just all too brief. But, you know, because we saw the, the glimpses of class that he had. Uh, and, and Carboni, I mean, did Carboni ever score a bad goal? He, 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 uh, he, can't, I can't, can't think, think of, of 
Marco, you know, he, he just scored, it seemed, wonder goal after wonder goal. And yeah, joy to watch, both of them. They, they really were brilliant. Okay, cool. So there's two countries left. I'm not going to ask you who you think they are. Do you think you know who the two countries are? Um, do you know what? I, I really should have paid a bit more attention, shouldn't I, to this? Um, well, let's see uh, then. Ten points from the Singing the Blues jury goes to... Ireland. Ireland, yeah. Incidentally, they are the country that's won Eurovision the most number of times. Little side Eurovision fact there. Factoid. Um, so, Ireland. Uh, I mean, there is one player who obviously is absolutely head and shoulders above everyone else when it comes to, um, you know, Wednesday's Irish contingent of the years. We waxed lyrical about him a couple of weeks ago when we, we did our 90s um, show. But of course, you know, the guy that just oozed class with pretty much everything that he did, John Sheridan, what a player. Um, he's not the only Irish player that Wednesday have had. In fact, there's been quite a few. But in terms of ones to note... Actually, a, a, a guy that you know we could have touched on earlier on when we were talking about that Brighton away game and that you know that barrage save after save after save, Kieran Westwood, um, and a bit of a forgotten guy really, Glenn Whelan, um, of course, is uh, many 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 caps for the uh, for the Irish national team, and I suppose you could have Alan Quinn as well if you really wanted. Yeah, you, you could do. I, I think that uh, oh, yeah, Glenn Whelan was. Uh, yeah, fantastic at his time at Wednesday. And he loved it at the club too. And, but yeah, such a quality midfielder. And, and it was, it's no surprise to Wednesday Heights who saw him play yeah, at Hillsborough week in and week out that he would go on to then play in the Premier League you know, so many times in his career and for his country. So yeah, when you think of Whelan... Yeah, Sheridan in, in yeah in midfield when you and Sheridan was yeah and he remains probably yeah certainly in the last thirty years you know he's the he's the greatest central midfielder isn't he to have played for Sheffield Wednesday he's certainly ball playing central midfielder uh, so yeah. Uh, um, and Kieran Westwood is a bit of a funny one really isn't it when he's actually Manchester born uh, and hasn't hasn't played as much for. A, the Republic of Ireland, as he should have done, really for for uh, whatever reason, uh, you know, injuries have played the part, and then he's clearly not always seen eye to eye with management um, or vice versa. So, it's uh, still pretty strong, though. Those you know, four, three out of the four players, we we'll say three out of the four players that you included in that final list, there, James. Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll I'll cross Adam Quinn out. Right, he's gone. Uh, right, so that brings us to the big one then. 12 points. 12 points from the Singing the Blues jury goes to... Sweden. Of course it's Sweden. Uh, who I think have won Eurovision the second most number of times. So um, I think, you know, we've got... It, it's worked out pretty well, this. So when we talk about Sweden, uh, there is a name that springs to mind. Of course there is. Uh, we'll talk about him in a minute. 
but I can also offer you another couple of real quality players from um, from over the years. So, Class Ingerson, it's a name you don't hear very much anymore, uh, but he was great when he played for, for, for Wednesday. Nicholas Alexanderson as well, um, who is a guy that, um, you know, we, we've, we've not really talked very much about, but, you know, on his day, he was phenomenal. But, of course, the Swedish king, Roland Nielsen, I think on the strength of those three, it's a justified top marks for Sweden. Ingerson, I don't think he played masses and masses of matches for Wednesday. That's all I would, would say on Ingerson. Uh, I, I think it was injuries, wasn't it, that maybe were a, a factor with him. Uh, and yeah, Ingerson was a little bit before my time, so I can't really comment on the strengths and weaknesses of him. But yeah, I certainly do remember seeing plenty of Alexanderson and we saw as well him at Everton strutting his stuff there too and but he, he is an attacking midfielder uh, and really good I like I liked Alexanderson actually a lot you know you knew what you were going to get with Alexanderson uh, and he, you know, he was capable of uh, of scoring a goal too so yeah Alexanderson very good player and um, well, yeah, Roland. What, what do you need to say about Roland that we haven't said before, uh, and that other people haven't said? The greatest foreign player to ever play for Sheffield Wednesday. Period. End of. Absolutely, absolutely. So right now, uh, the cameras just cut to the disappointed face on uh, Vincent Sasso for France getting no points um, and then just cut slightly to the right and there's Alex Lopez and Miguel Liera sat next to each other who are in tears no points for Spain either no but I think I think uh, I think I, I, I think that it is the right countries that have got the right points I know you argued about one or two in there <laughs> but I think that that top four Netherlands Italy Ireland Sweden probably head and shoulders above the rest um, yeah, yeah, I, I would go along with that, James. Yeah, I, I think actually that uh, it, it's it's quite strong at the top there. Um, there's some very good names that we mentioned uh, in Holland and Sweden, um, that and Ireland, of course, that have played for Wednesday down the years. So uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see what uh, the listeners think as well. Yeah, do um do tweet us with who you'd give your twelve points to. In fact, you could do the you know the whole scoring if you uh, if you want. Um, of course, there is no Eurovision, so maybe we can just you know, create our create our own Eurovision. I think that's a nice way for us to uh, to wrap things up. Um, so yeah, brilliant. There we go. Twelve points goes to Sweden. Um, right, uh, you can catch Dom at Domhausen. I'm at James Marriott, or you can contact the show at Dom and James. Thank you to our gold sponsor, Title Law, who you can find at TitleLaw.co.uk. Uh, big thank you to Ollie who was on the show last week if you've not listened to uh, that our kind of financial special then uh, please go back and have a listen to that that is a slightly longer episode hence why this week is a slightly shorter one thank you for joining us if you like singing the blues please rate and review the show in your podcast app up the owls and we'll see you next week (laughs) 